Welcome back, wrestling fans, to the Mount Rushmore Wrestling Podcast. This is episode 51 that we're producing, but this is really episode 52, because last week we had a technical issue with our episode 51, but what I will say is, uh, it was a trivia episode, and I did beat Chris in trivia last week. I have a (laughs) notebook here to prove it, of how many (laughs) questions I got right. Everyone in here was witness. Chris just doesn't want to take the loss. <laughs> but it did happen. So uh, and was it was by at least six or seven questions. Yeah, I'm glad you I'm glad you guys aren't gonna see this one because that was an ass beating. <laughs> I got my ass beat this time. So Chris is now yeah. not undefeated. So the next round of trivia will be Sean and I, I think, against each other. Yeah. And uh we'll take it from there. Uh but welcome on a Monday night. We'll we'll be doing uh we have our classic pay-per-view review tonight, and then later this week we'll be having our all-in um, preview show for the show at Wembley Stadium this upcoming Sunday. So, gentlemen, how are we doing? Happy Monday. Good to be back. And, uh, yeah, we got Monday Night Raw tonight. Yeah, we got Raw tonight. We got all-in this weekend. So, it's going to be a good week. You know, I'm really hoping that all-in – turns out to be one of their better shows because I feel like I've been really disappointed with AW mm. pay-per-views lately. So I think this is a big one for them. You know, they got to really hit this one, uh, hit a grand slam with it. So I'm excited for this week. Yeah. To pick up where you said, Chris, I totally agree that like all in definitely needs to deliver because of all the hype around it and like all the stats because TK is the big stats guy and it's selling out very well. The fans are definitely enjoying it. So hopefully like quality wise it ends up uh, delivering mm-hmm. on all levels. But definitely looking forward to it along with Monday Night Raw tonight. And, Sean, we'll go to you. You have the On This Day this week. Yes, sir. All right. So, On This Day, we were recording August 21st. We're going to go back seven years ago to SummerSlam in Brooklyn at the Barclays Center. Sean was there. So, there were tw- I was there for that one, yes. Great crowd, by the way. So, shout out to Brooklyn. So, Until there the were 12 event. matches on the card total, but I'll probably just name, go through five of them. So we're going to do Charlotte defeated Sasha Banks for the Women's Championship. Dana Brooke was banned from ringside. That was 13 minutes and 51 seconds. Very good match. AJ Styles defeated John Cena by pinfall. I think that was the best match match of the night. That was 23 minutes and 10 seconds. Then we had Dean Ambrose walking in as the champion, defeating Dolph Ziggler for the WWE World Championship. That one was... It was, absolutely. 15 minutes and 18 seconds. Then Finn Balor defeated Seth Rollins by pinfall for the Universal Championship. The match could only be won by pinfall or submission. Unfortunately, Finn Balor had an injury and had to forfeit the next night. But unfortunately, you know, he did later become, um, you know, a superstar in the making after that point. But that was 19 minutes and 24 seconds. And then the main event, boys, Brock Lesnar. (laughs) With Paul Heyman defeated Randy Orton via technical knockout, 11 minutes and 45 seconds. And the crowd was booing them out of the arena, specifically Brock Lesnar and Chanton Refund. So overall, the SummerSlam was a great card, but that main event absolutely sucked. Hey, what's interesting is that's the last time Finn Balor has won a championship, a main championship, uh, seven years yes. ago. So, hey, cheers to uh, Finn Balor. Uh, Brock Lesnar's come a long way from that moment as well. But, yes, I remember watching that live when you were there and thinking, wow, 
That's a brutal way to end it. <laughs> um, yeah, there's really not much else to say besides uh, just biting the bullet. And that was during the time I think we all kind of hated Lesnar. Uh, I do have on my Brock shirt right now, so shout out to Lesnar. It's a pretty sweet shirt. Um, one thing in the news, we'll go straight to the news. I did see, so uh, WWE released a lot of stuff over the past weekend. Mania tickets went on sale for WrestleMania 40 on Friday, uh, officially to the whole public. But part of their promotional materials did include Brock Lesnar on the main promo. So it looks like Lesnar will be at WrestleMania 40. Who against? We have no idea, but I'm I'm happy he'll at least be there in promotional uh, material. So that's cool. I saw a rumor it could be uh, Bobby Lashley. Oh, I don't know about that. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't they already have three matches? That's, they did. That's a mistake. Oh, uh, God. Well, anyways. <laughs> I don't know who else it would be. <laughs> yeah, God. If it's Le- uh, Lashley again, uh, that would be a mistake. You are correct, Sean. Uh, <laughs> speaking of WrestleMania 40, uh, like I said, tickets went on sale uh, on Friday to the general public, and they had their best gate ever. So WWE continues their heart streak. Wrestling continues their heart streak. They sold over 90,000 tickets over the two days in the first day, which is a $21.6 million gate, which is cracking. I think it was like $19 million as their best gate. For last year's Mania. So, yeah. The, and I'll, I'll be honest. So, Chris and I are going. And now we secured night one and night two tickets. But I had to get them night one on the secondary market. Because the tickets all went up in price uh, while you were in there. So, during the pre-sale, I got night two tickets for $600 in the riser section. But I literally went back in there 10 minutes later. And they went from $600 to at least $1,000 in those same seats. So it was like within within minutes, Shit. they changed all their prices. Yeah. So they made an absolute fucking killing, I will say, on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Uh, the resale seemed to be really good in the first few days of the resale, like that over the weekend. So we didn't want to wait and kind of get stuck, so we'll be going. We're not sitting in the same exact section, but we're sitting in... The 110 risers for night two, and then night one, we're sitting in the 110 section, so a little bit further behind it, um, but still straight on to the stage, which is perfect. All those out there that are like contemplating going to Mania, what I'll say is after going once, you know, it depends what you value um, and how much money you have. If you're balling on a budget, I think the best way to do it is to just try and buy single tickets. If you don't have like an attachment to do like the extra things in the packages, I'll be honest with you, the packages this year look a little bit overpriced in my opinion. And, you know, it was very cool last year, like Sean, Chris and I got to see that Well, this year got to see like podcasts and things like that, that we wouldn't have been able to see, you know, if we didn't get the package, but I'll be honest with you to pay an insurmountable amount of money this year compared to last year to do that. Uh, I don't think it's necessarily worth it. And we got our hats. Sean's wearing the hat today. And we got uh, like these photo frames. But all that stuff isn't worth like five or six hundred extra dollars you have to pay. So, you know. Yeah. I'll say is that WrestleMania 35, I thought they added more like 
looks pizzazz yeah. to what it should have been. Like I was expecting that for Kelly and, and yeah. then some. Yeah. But it just felt a little limited. As much as a blast that we all had, I just felt like in order to get also the additional press cards and everything, we should have also had like an all access type yes. of vibe. We're able to meet the superstars and like jump in line to line like it was at WrestleMania thirty five. Yeah. Thirty five included And we everything. paid the cheapest price. It was I think free. I think so our package paid, in total yeah, so we paid that included hotel as well. It was fifteen hundred. We got four night stay at a hotel, yeah. NXT, Hall of Fame, Mania, and Raw. And access. Yeah. Two and access. then we bought a third ticket. But we bought our Yeah, third. that included all that stuff. But that that now <laughs> the ticket price is now for a package like that. And they don't even do access anymore. So you they do like meet and greets. But you have to pay an extra 80, 120, whatever, yeah. how many dollars. All yeah, which is insane. But yeah, so now it's like you got to spend, if you want the hotel included, you're looking at like $3,500 a person for the package. And I'm like, holy shit, Batman. So we did an Airbnb and uh, we got night one and night two tickets, but we're we're sitting at like $1,600 a person. Little over sixteen hundred dollars a person. Uh, so if you are balling on a budget or trying, you know, you can still get seats. Obviously, not where we did. We we are kind of snobs when it comes to not sitting in the upper deck. We're never going to do that. But uh, what I'll say is, yeah, it just exhaust your options. And uh, you know, if you weren't right on the bullet, I'm sure many of you were. But uh, you're going to be paying a little bit extra money now, unfortunately, because uh, pretty much all the most of the tickets are gone. Uh, unless you're sitting on the floor. So good luck out there. Uh, so Mania, Mania 40 is going to be uh, obviously one for the books in terms of the gates. Brock is confirmed. Um, a couple other things quickly. John, so John Cena is announced for September 1st for SmackDown. He is also announced for the India show on September 8th. September 8th, we will all be in attendance uh, on SmackDown at the TD Garden in Boston. So us three and my brother are going to the show. Uh, so I hope that doesn't that show doesn't pull away too many people from SmackDown. I'm hoping it's just raw people that go. That's my hope at least. So we'll see. Um, and then so talking about last week, one thing I want to talk about and what we we didn't get a chance to last week, but Edge's last last match in quotation marks was uh, Friday night against Sheamus. For all those who who watched. Uh, quite an entertaining match i didn't get to see it live i had to watch it back over the weekend but um what a great gear i'll say first of all that gear was toronto themed it was fantastic the white and blue um what do we think boys i i thought what was very interesting about this was beth and the kids were there it was very emotional pretty much the entire time they weren't building it like it was his last match most of the time leading up to it, but I'll say the night of it seemingly seemed pretty relevant that it was could be his last match. They did all they could to kind of, you know, get emotional with it. Edge still didn't have anything to say in regards to if he was going to retire or not after the show, so it's still up in the air. But thoughts on the match? I thought the match was great, obviously, but uh, thoughts on the night. I think that, you know, it was a very good tribute to Edge. I, I liked a lot of the video packages that they were doing throughout the night for him. Um, 
But I feel like if this isn't his retirement, like I'm not going to say it went to a waste because it was his hometown. It was Toronto. Um, But I mean, if they're going to do it all over again, when he actually does officially retire, like, is there going to be as much hype around it as there was at his hometown? Probably not. But I mean, I thought the match was great. I know after the match, after the show went off the air, he he grabbed the mic and talked a little bit saying, this is the last time you'll see me for now, blah, blah, blah. I heard there was a match after the show where Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn came out and were kind of holding edge on oh, his wow. shoulders after their match that they had. Because I think it might have been a six-man tag after the show. I think it was McIntyre, Owens, and Zayn versus okay. the Brutes, I think. Um, or something like that. But yeah, I thought it was I thought it was a very good show. I didn't watch it live either. I went back back and uh, I taped it, so I went and watched it back. But you know, I thought it was a very good tribute to Edge at his hometown. I don't think that's it though. I mean, is it true that his contract is till the end of September and he's taking time to think about it? Probably, which means he's not yeah. gonna be at all in, is my guess. So I, I mean he's gonna think about it, but the man looks great. I'm pretty sure he's healthy. We haven't really heard of any injuries since his tricep injury. So I think he's going to have one last go and renew his contract and be at Mania next year. Get to Mania, my baby. <laughs> Superstars, I thought the match is excellent. Um, Edge and Sheamus, I two guys who I think are incapable of having a bad match. Or if they have, I don't remember the last mm. time they had one. Um, I will say this. As much as like Beth and the family were in attendance and like the crowd was hyped up, it just felt rushed. Like it did not feel like a retirement for Edge. Even though Edge like tried to like play it off like it was, but like even when he made his entrance, like I think for retirement for a superstar, like you take your time to like evoke the emotion from the crowd. Edge kind of like you know he does his normal like he runs to both sides like pumps up the crowd, but it was very rushed. He got to the ring fairly quick, and even though the match was it was decently timed, but. I feel like with a superstar like Edge, he needs to go out at like a main pay-per-view. Even if it's not WrestleMania, say it's like SummerSlam next year. I think it's got to be a pay-per-view. And I didn't think he has so much more to accomplish. Um, when I look at last year, well, near the end of last year and into like early this year, we can be objective and say that Edge kind of had a lackluster type of like feuding. Like other than outside the Finn Balor one, he didn't really have much that was going for him. He also took a lot yeah. of time off. So I think, and he hasn't even wrestled Cody yet, and I think Cody is on his bucket list uh, for sure. And I just feel like he can't end his career without at least feuding with the top face of the company right now. Um, And I still think he wants maybe one more crack at Roman Reigns. I want to see him (laughs) go up against Orton again. I want to see returning Orton versus Edge, even though we've seen it um, twice already. But I, I still think that develops a lot of muster. But... At this point, though, I think Edge deep down knows that he still has a lot left in the tank and he can continue doing what he's doing now, even if he does look a little slower pace likewise. But that's okay though, because his style isn't really like a Darby Allen where you're going to go 100 miles an hour. He's very methodical. Um, So he's got that perfectly paced sense of him. So I think that he can continue doing this. Um, If this is it truly, then man, what a hell of a career. But. I just don't buy it yet. I think he still has a lot left to prove, and he's going to continue. I think he will maybe take off this WrestleMania. Um, if he does, then go into 41. I think 41 will probably be his retirement. For our sake, I hope he's at this WrestleMania. But <laughs> what, I, what I will <laughs> say sure. also about Edge, uh, you know, the first time he had to go out due to injury, you know, going out in Toronto is great. I just think... You need to like. 
This time, I feel like it needs to be like very well known that you are done. So people can celebrate you more than just one night. It just, I, I'm not necessarily sure if, I, I would agree with that it was rushed. I don't necessarily know if it was rushed or if it was, it just wasn't well thought out that it seemed like, it, it, maybe rush is a good word because the week before, he made the match with Sheamus and he was like, all right, that's pretty, that's how they're portraying it is it. Yeah. So I think, you know, for someone like Edge who had to retire for seven years and come back or nine years, however long it was, um, it just needs to be known that you're going to be done after a certain point. And I think Sean is 100% spot on when he says it has to be at a pay-per-view. In my eyes, it's if you have it at WrestleMania or if you are having another pay-per-view in Canada, specifically Toronto, that's where you do it. And then, you know, then it, then you can really go off with a bang. Um, but we'll see. I thought the match was great, but like we said, we'll, we'll see what happens kind of moving forward with Edge. And then the other piece, so looking forward to Raw tonight. We'll do our little Raw preview tonight. Um, <laughs> the search for Johnny Gargano continues. So Tommaso Ciampa is continuously for the past couple of weeks now putting up wanted posters and going all over social media looking for Johnny Gargano. I'm really hoping that this is coming very soon in terms of Gargano coming back and uh, getting that partnership with DIY. So it, whether it's tonight, whether it's the next couple of weeks, you know, I'd love to see it in time for payback. Maybe they just get a match with two people and then eventually they're going to end up feuding with Sammy and Kevin Owens. I think that would be great. I think those are two people also that you could give the tag team titles to. Uh, also, if you split the tag team titles because you have too many tag teams now, you know, you want one team, one title on Raw, one on SmackDown again, uh, maybe you could do that. But if you do that, you got to uh, change the title belts. I don't want red and blue. I want, like, what they did with the World Heavyweight Championship and what they did with the WWE Championship. Why don't we go back to, like, how they looked back in the day, you know, with the tag belts. I'm not sure if they'll do that necessarily, but um, that's what I would want. <clears throat> and then uh, other things happening on Raw tonight. So Gunther defends the Intercontinental title against Chad Gable. We have <laughs> we have the New Day against uh, Drew McIntyre and Matt Riddle. And Shinsuke Nakamura is going to reveal what he's been telling to Seth Rollins. <laughs> um, yeah, Nakamura is, like, awkward. Not awkwardly, but, like, ironically funny. Because I think he's, like, he's just a lunatic when he's, like, a heel. So I, I think he, <laughs> and his English is, is a lot better than it used to be. But he yeah. has just enough to, like, make you think, like, he's not understanding what things are going on. And he looks at you with that that smirk or like that confused face, and that it's like very entertaining. Um, do we think Gable uh, supersedes Gunther here? No. <laughs> I think he'll win the match. He'll win the match, but it's going to be like he's a countout or something where he's not going to win the title, kind of like what they did before. Or maybe, or maybe Otis interferes or something. So, yeah, something's going to happen that. Gunther's gonna get fucking pissed yeah. about just like the first time. And <laughs> so I was seeing that uh in terms of when the title reign would be, so I'm trying to see when when it's gonna be. I saw the other day of when Gunther's title would hit the record. I think it's like 
Isn't it? Mm-hmm. Be- isn't it between payback? I think and it's. Fast I think it's right like after payback, sometime in September. So my guess is this: I think at Fastlane, I think they're gonna drag it out till Fastlane. I think Gable beats him because I think Gable is the guy to beat him right now. And maybe I'm wrong, and they go a completely different way, and they just, you know, maybe Gunther just cruises into WrestleMania next year with still with the title. But I don't think that's gonna happen. But I could be very wrong. Um, I'll tell yeah. you what, though. Gable does do it, man. Is his career going to take a huge launch by beating yeah. Gunther? The guy's been unstoppable for the past like year and a half plus. That would do a lot. That would it do a would. lot for Gable. I wouldn't mind if it was Gable at this point. I wouldn't. He's mind. got the he's got the he crowd behind him, team. and he does deserve it. He's uh, great promo, great athlete, and great he wrestler. he'll put on a good match with anybody yeah. too. He'll be he'll be a great IC champ like Gunther. Like he can put on a good yeah, match with anybody. He's someone that'll be a workhorse champion, exactly like Gunther was. I agree. And yeah, he has the ability in the ring, and he has the ability on the mic. He is a very charismatic individual. So I think, uh, you know, I'm not a big Otis guy, but listen, if Gable wins, uh, that's how you break up Alpha Academy. Otis gets jealous that Gable's champion. Yep. Otis turns heel on Gable, and you know, you get a match out of those two and whatever down the line. But that's yeah. eventually what you could do as well yeah. if you're trying to, you know, uh, Story yeah, it does. Itself. It really does. So I think that would be great. <laughs> I'm sure we'll see Cody at some point on Raw tonight. That's one thing I want to say quickly. What the fuck is he doing going into payback? <laughs> They're still feuding with the fucking Judgment Day. I don't know. Him, Sami Zayn, and Kevin thinking. Owens. <laughs> There's got to be somebody to attack, and what what's Bronson Reed doing right now? <laughs> or <laughs> what if, what if got like last him. minute? What if they threw Cody um, and made a triple threat last minute? For what? Um, the Seth Rollins and Nakamura match. They throw him and make it a triple uh, threat because in a way, it's it, it protects Rollins because he won't suffer another L from Cody. Um, and then you can just have Rollins pin Nakamura. I guess, yeah, that's true. But um. I doubt that's going to happen, he, but... He doesn't have nothing Brock's else. You say Brock's coming back? You gotta... <laughs> Brock oh number God. four? <laughs> that promo was for nothing. They said the saga ends, and they just have it. Then again, they did that with Triple H <laughs> and The Undertaker. Every time they face each other, it was like end of an era. And after after Mania, yeah, it, yeah. <laughs> they had it like two or three more times, and it was like saying it every time. Brock, yeah, Brock comes showdown. up. Brock, Brock cuts up oh, the cowboy hat. He does a Booker T. Um, he does a Booker T and Crispin while we do a battle. Oh best my god! <laughs> they should have just had McIntyre. I'm Hill shocked already, they have, and then they could, could could have put them together. That's a feud I want to see: is Cody McIntyre heel McIntyre and yeah, Cody. Who Dalby loses really though, good. McIntyre? Yeah, I have to. Unfortunately, <laughs> the thing is, though, him and Matt but, Riddle are. Oh, God. They're entertaining. I will say it's a little bit entertaining. Matt Riddle is just so dumb to me, though. I, uh... uh, Yeah, I used to be a big fan of him, but this second go-around, I'm not... I just think it's, like, forced at this point. I loved when it was him and Randy. Now I can't stand him. I don't know what happened. Him and Randy actually felt, like, really authentic. And, like, you could tell when Randy Orton... Like, Randy Orton legit... I mean, obviously, Randy Orton's (laughs) one of the best actors on the planet. But, like, how legitimately pissed he looked. And then Riddle just was charismatically funny but this yep. go around it just seems like they're just trying to force material down our throat that's like all right there's like sharit's kind of up at this it point is a shame he is, he I is still think he's a, good a good wrestler, wrestler but... yeah i agree 
But he hasn't hit me this second time either. And he's still young yeah, too. He is still young. Yeah. He's got to get bigger shorts. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they, they <laughs> yeah, stop downsizing your shorts, man. I don't we don't need to see all that. Uh, you know what I actually want to see from Cody? What if they did give him JD McDonough? I would take it. I wouldn't. I would take that. it. Just have him randomly just have, have him have, just have him randomly attack Cody. That's the story. <laughs> just have Randy Orton come back and then have Orton and Cody. Dude, <laughs> yes, what? That's, that's what's been brutal about the Cody finishing the story is that's all I see now everywhere with TikTok. It's like I just ate Taco Bell and I'm in the bathroom and someone knocks on the bathroom while I'm going to the bathroom. And the TikTok just pans to fucking Cody Rhodes is I have to finish the story. <laughs> I'm like, oh man, this guy's never gonna get away from this. But yeah, I don't know what's going on with Cody. Maybe we'll see tonight, but he, he seem he's like involved with the judgment day. Sammy's involved with the judgment day. Um who the fuck knows? Maybe Damian Priest, Cody? I don't know. I've, I've never seen, like, the face, like, when I mean face, like, I mean as far as, like, an actual baby face of the company become, like, so hot and cold at yeah. the same time for, like, the past six months. It's because like, they're just waiting. Yeah, to they just the wanted to get in the, this, this yeah. was even bigger, though. Brock is at least a name. They didn't know why they were fighting, but Brock is big enough to make something out of it, and you then you can make a feud out of it. Right now, they don't know yeah. who the fuck to put with him, so... What the hell is the story? Yeah. There is no story right now. It's just getting in. Does, Dom, does, Dom, does, Dom, does Dominic, does yeah, Dominic want to read Jesus that? Christ. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Who the fuck knows? Everyone's feuding with the Judgment Day. I do love J.D. McDonough being inserted, obviously, and I think the eventual goal. I've seen reports of both, but I've seen majority that I think Damian Priest is going to be the one on the outs on the faction, and J.D. McDonough is going to take his mm-hmm. place. Uh that would be fun. I don't want Judgment Day to completely break up because if you just continuously break up bigger factions that are running TV, you're not going to have anything to replace them with. Because with the Bloodline going to get destroyed, yeah. basically, and if you break up the Judgment Day, then you really don't have anything left. And, you know, Bobby's faction is going to come to fruition and stuff, but you got to have something to replace it with. Also, I want to say this about Judging Day. Like, when you think factions, there's, like, everyone's got to play their part. Like, I feel like you got to have, like, the muscle, the group. Like, Evolution, for example. That was Batista. That was Travis. Even Warren, too. The muscle of the of the faction will now be Rhea Ripley. That's and true. Is out of there. <laughs> so it's like, back to yeah, China. Like, China dude. and Triple H and Shawn Michaels. Yep, exactly. They, they need to do the way. With oh, Tampa. yeah. I like that. Mm. Gargano, Champa, Loomis, Candice, and Indy Hartwell. Whatever her name is, the other one. Indy Hartwell, yeah. yep. That, that would, would be, be cool. cool. Okay, I we're getting off topic, but I'm fine with just keep going with this for a second. I saw something the other day that was talking about um uh, the Bray a uh, new Bray Wyatt faction. And in it they had Karrion Cross, Scarlet, Dexter Loomis was in there. Nikki oh, Cross and, and Joe, Joe Gacy. Gacy. That would be a very interesting that's a good, That's a that good be, lineup. That's a very that's good lineup. That also helps right characters nice. like Karrion Cross, who's directionless. And Joe Gacy, you yes. put into that immediate spot, who's a great talker and a good wrestler. Uh, you have your Yo, woman. 
Dexter Loomis, Dexter Loomis is currently. Yeah, who knows there, where so he is. <laughs> yeah. um, but that would be <laughs> yep. a very entertaining faction if that was the case. Very be, cool. Yeah. I am all for it. Maybe, maybe they should have Bray Wyatt come back and feud with I Cody. Thought, I thought they were going to do that too. at SummerSlam. <laughs> yeah. I actually, I want that feud. Like, cause I, I think there would actually be some compelling TV and story there. there. there is story. I also think like, I also think there's certain people that like, if Cody does take a loss to, it's not going to hurt him on his road to WrestleMania. Like if he takes like one loss, maybe out of three matches again to the fiend or Bray Wyatt, whoever he's going to be. I don't think that hurts mm. him that much. I agree. If yeah. he keeps going over like two out of three, I think that yeah, still I helps agree. Him. The losses don't matter at that point. Yeah, in like the method of the loss, if it's like a crazy, like bizarre right. cinematic situation with the fiend, then that's cool. Right. I can I can definitely see that fight happening. Uh, if but I don't know like the stats like. The Bray Wyatt stuff, I try not to get excited yeah. anymore because every time it's I so get pumped true. up, it's like, yeah, he's coming back, and then oh, he'll be at SummerSlam. He's in Detroit, and then he's nowhere yeah. to be found. So I watched, I watched his return video the other day, and it is insane it how so good loud. that return was. I remember uh, me, you, and Fast watched that, Chris, and I remember yeah. we looked at each other and we're like, I have not heard a pop this loud in. A I forget. Time. Yeah, I think I missed. Yep. I, I missed that pay per view. I think I think, I think you were, were you sick. I think you were sick that day. I was sick or I was away. Yeah, I don't remember. I think it it might have been when you were in. Oh, Florida. I think you're right. Yeah, you was. I was in Disney. Yeah. I think yeah. you were in Florida. Yeah, I, uh, yeah. I would love to see Bray Wyatt with with that comeback. But Karen Cross is an instant yes for me because I think he's someone that oh, absolutely needs something to do besides just himself. And his character yeah. already seems like he would really fit with Bray Wyatt. Uh, and Bray Wyatt and Cody Rhodes yeah. have history from NXT. Um, I think Cody was like the veteran against Husky Harris, the the rookie or whatever in NXT. So there's definitely some things they can play on there for history as well. Um, okay, let's go to our classic pay-per-view review. So we, were, we picked last week SummerSlam 2000. Uh, we were pretty optimistic. Uh, I will go through the card, and we will go through results and times, and then as a whole, we will kind of give our thoughts on the pay-per-view, um, and then we can point out matches that we liked, disliked, and things like that, but I'll go over the matches. So we had Right to Censor, which was Bull Buchanan, the Godfather, sorry, the Good Father, Stephen Richards, <laughs> defeating Too Cool, uh, which was Grandmaster Sexy Rikishi, Scotty Too Haughty. Uh, in four minutes and 57 seconds in a six-man tag, we had X-Pac defeating Road Dog in a singles match. Four minutes, 31 seconds. We had Edge and China defeating Trish Stratus and Val Venus for the interge- intergender tag team match for the WWE Intercontinental Championship. So basically in that match, if Venus, well, Val Venus did lose, uh, whoever got the pinfall would get the Intercontinental title. So... China got the Intercontinental title. Jerry Lawler defeated Taz, and that match was 7.04. Jerry Lawler defeated Taz in a singles match for 4 minutes and 21 seconds. Steve Blackman defeated Shane McMahon for the Hardcore Championship, 10 minutes, 17 seconds. Chris Benoit defeated Chris Jericho, 2-1 in a 2 out of 3 falls match, 13.01. First fall was Benoit, second fall was Jericho, Third fall was Benoit. 
the Edge and Christian defeated the Dudley Boys and the Hardy Boys in the inaugural TLC match for the WWF Tag Team Championships. That was 1838. The Cat defeated Terry in a stink face match. 307. Speaking of the cat. <laughs> oh, it was fun. Oh. <laughs> it was easy. Kane versus The Undertaker ended in a no contest. It was a no disqualifications match. It was 7 minutes and 33 seconds. And the main event was The Rock defeating Triple H and Kurt Angle in a triple threat match for the WWF Championship. That was 20 minutes and 11 seconds. Boys, I'll, I'll just throw it to either one of you, whoever wants to go first, give an overall review of the pay-per-view, and then um, point out whatever you'd like to point out. Um, as a whole, uh, we talked about this before even getting on the podcast. There was probably about, I said, three and a half matches that I was interested in. And the reason I say half is because half of the Steve Blackman and Shane McMahon match I thought was interesting. I thought the first half was whatever. I mean, anything with Shane McMahon, I'm not going to lie, I mm-hmm. do enjoy because I think he's a daredevil and he'll do some crazy shit, especially in True. a hardcore match. And you saw it here. I mean, one spot in that match that I enjoyed was uh, Steve Blackman put the trash can on top of Shane and was using the sticks and hitting him with the trash can on top of him. And then obviously he took a 50-foot fall off the top of the Titantron and then Steve Blackman lands an elbow drop as well. So that was decent. Um, the TLC, I mean, it was the first ever TLC match. Obviously, their first match was just considered a ladders match at WrestleMania 16. So this was actually the first TLC. Something I was always disappointed about as a kid was Edge and Christian winning every Everyone. single ladder match or <laughs> TLC match. Every single because one. I was a Dudley's fan, and I know Jeremy yep. was a Hardy's fan, so that was... Tough for him, and I think Sean was probably somewhere in the middle. Crushing. Yeah. He was crushing for <laughs> um, me every, every friggin' time. Oh, it was so aggravating. Because as a kid, I was like, okay, the Dudleys make sense. The Hardys make sense. They're brothers. <laughs> the Dudleys say that they're brothers. I'm like, why do Edge and Christian keep winning everything? As a kid, I didn't get it. I hate I, it. I hate it. I I wanted them to run that same exact match three times and have each tag. Oh, match that would have been perfect. Match. They didn't want to do that. They just said Edge but Christian Education <laughs> Go yep. three and zero. Oh. Um, another match I want to talk about was Kane and the Undertaker. This was probably their worst match yeah. that they had. I will say, this was a one of my more interesting matches for Undertaker and Kane because it was like kind of biker taker, kind of not biker taker mm-hmm. at that time. That was like when yep. he transitioned, and then he ripped Kane's mask off during the match but Kane's face you never got to see it because he ran backstage um so that's why I ended in a no contest and then the main event I mean it was a triple threat between three of the best at that time I think Stone Cold might have still been hurt during this period I think he came back shortly after and faced Rikishi um but I mean Kurt Angle once I mean the spotlight of the match was Kurt Angle got hurt he actually got concussed by a pedigree on the table and then came back out later in the match. Literally, you ha- you see interviews where he has no clue what the hell is going on. He just goes back out to the ring without knowing anything Crazy. that's happening, which is absolutely insane. And The Rock picked up the win there. Um, so, I mean, there's 10 matches here. So if I'm going to be brutally honest, it was a 3.5 out of 10 because I enjoyed three <laughs> of the matches. Um, 
Benoit Jericho was okay. I did think that that match was rushed a little bit due to the falls. I mean, the first fall was three minutes, which is ridiculous for those two guys. Yeah. So that match was definitely rushed. I mean, I'm a huge too cool, too cool fan. Like I told these guys. So the fact that they took a loss in five minutes in the first match, the right to censor pisses me <laughs> off, but it is what it is. So yeah, for me, nothing too crazy. Three out three and a half out of 10. And we also mentioned something that, the attitude error we always like love talking about the attitude error and oh it was so good but going back and like seeing a card like this you're like wow this was not a SummerSlam quality yep. pay-per-view at all all right so for the first three matches like the total time was about 60 minutes i think that's pretty crazy that the total time between three matches in is 60 minutes or at least approximate to that i did not give a single fuck about either one of those <laughs> matches um so then we go to Jerry Lawler and Taz. I like the ending of that match where, you know, JR hit Taz with, like, the glass bottle, whatever it was. That was pretty entertaining. The Shane and Steve Blackman match, I was really just tuned in for the last, like, three minutes because, like Chris said, Shane and Mac is going to do some bizarre shit at any match he does, and he just puts his body on the line in any given manner. Doesn't care how high it is, how, like, what structure he needs to jump off of. He's going to do whatever it takes to make the match entertaining. And he took like three or four candlestick shots, and then he fell off the structure, and then he took an elbow drop, which sealed the victory. Chris Benoit and Chris Jericho, what I liked about watching this match is it reminded me of how great Chris Jericho is as a wrestler and why I have him in my top ten of all time. Because Chris Jericho is one of the most well-rounded um, superstars in terms of like movesets and everything. And Chris Benoit, despite how we feel about him on a personal level and like what he did, we can't deny the talent that he displayed. He was also one of the best technical wrestlers. Um, but I do agree with you guys that the match was definitely short. And they rushed like the falls. The first one was three minutes and yeah, one second. Then the second one was like eight minutes and 25 seconds. Third one was at 13 minutes and one second. So they definitely could have made this a 20, 25 minute match. Um, but of course, they were probably stuck on time because they did flood it with ten matches. Stink a lot face of match. <laughs> yeah, they could have got rid of that one. No kidding. Edge and Christian uh, with the Dudley Boys and the Hardys. That one was really good, even though the outcome of Edge and Christian, of course, getting the victory. But there were some really cool spots. My favorite one was probably when Edge and Christian um, teamed up, and they had four tables set on the outside, and Bubba Ray went yeah, right through good. all of them. Yeah. Uh, but you saw a little bit of everything. You saw like uh, Jeff Hardy doing a swanton uh, that Bubba Ray got out of the way for. You knew that Jeff Hardy was going to put himself, he, he was going to take the most like bumps possible. Like, what else is Jeff Hardy known for? Um, but Matt Hardy took a couple, but every single one of them, Lita got inserted into the matchup. Edge ended up spearing her at one point <laughs> near the tail end of it. Um, but very good match. Uh, the Stink Face match, we can throw that out. Um, Kane and Undertaker. <laughs> Yeah, that one was definitely their worst match. Um, it just seemed like Taker was just so focused on ripping that <laughs> fucking mask off. <laughs> like that's it. He didn't care about you know, like barely any old school at last rise. We didn't really see any of like his um, move sets displayed. It was just to rip off the mask and humiliate Kane. Uh, the main event though was really interesting because also I look at that storyline. Triple H and Kurt Angle had a really good storyline over the yep. Stephanie McMahon. Kurt saying. What's wrong with the guy and the girl can't just be friends? <laughs> and then, um, but it just shows a uh, keep your eye on the prize. And the prize was the WWF championship. And, you know, 
their egos and like the distraction with Stephanie McMahon cost them. The Rock took advantage, like threw Angle out of the ring at the last moment, and um, he hit the um, people's elbow on Triple H and got the victory. I thought was very like savage was how the pay per view ended with Kurt Angle picking up Stephanie and walking <laughs> her down the entrance while Triple H is absolutely knocked out cold. Um, but if I had to give a rating overall, I would say five out of ten because even though only like three, three and a half matches were like I was looking forward to, I thought at least the main event, the TLC match in like Chris Benoit and Jericho, like was still like really, really great. Um, even though like there could have been more time on it, but I still think the quality of the matches was really good. So I do up the points on that level. So I'll give it a five out of ten. Yeah, I would also give it a five out of ten. I thought a lot of similar things that these guys thought. What I'll say is I do think the comedy angle of Kurt Angle really showed at this pay-per-view. You know, they had him backstage. Who came backstage when he was with Stephanie? Oh, it was Mick Foley. They were talking about Shane McMahon (laughs) being knocked out and who knows if he was okay and whatever. Uh, But Mick walked in and it it was like Kurt Angle was giving her a hug and he thought they were basically making out in there. Uh, I thought it was very funny. (laughs) And I just think it showed Kurt's comedic angles really really well it also showed how good of a character stephanie mcmahon was on tv back then uh i still will harp on this you know for a long time i don't think she gets enough credit for what she did during these times like i I think there was a solid five six seven years where on tv she was like an extremely big portion of the show and uh for that i mean she deserves a hall of fame spot in my book for what she's done for wrestling but I, I thought that was great, and I thought she was great here. My favorite part of Stephanie in that um, backstage segment, I like near on one of them, Kurt Angle decides to call yeah. Stephanie on the phone. So Stephanie picks it up. She pretends, oh, hey, mom. It's like, like, oh, it's your mother? Oh, let me talk to her. It's like, okay, here you go. And then um, Kurt on the other end, as soon as he hears Triple H's voice, hangs up. That's weird. You don't just hang up on me. Here's the bad I thought that was very comedic angle right there. Uh, no pun intended, but I thought Yeah, I think the paper, and, and I'll open this up for a discussion, and we talked about this a little bit, but the difference between wrestling now and wrestling back then, and, you know, maybe we have to go to specific pay-per-views and, you know, really review how good the wrestling was. I think it's, I think it's part of the argument is as well, it's hard to, in sports, like compare eras. I think the Attitude Era is so good for its own reasons. But what I will think people will look back on in the era right now that's going on, the wrestling is just night and day so much better. Like there are maybe better individual performances by some of the people that were, you know, the superstars of that generation. But in terms of in-ring talent, this might be the best generation of in-ring talent that wrestling has ever seen. Um, and it's obviously it makes sense. You know, things are advancing. Ath- athletes are just getting more and more athletic. It's bound to happen, right? Just like in sport, things are only getting better. People are just gen- genetically better. But man, uh, yeah, the difference between SummerSlam 2000 and summer, even SummerSlam 2023 was very different uh and just the star power and the quality it shows you today how good of a roster they actually have because you know we just said three and a half maybe four matches were like really good uh and that's you know 
That's tough on the SummerSlam card. That's probably your second biggest or third biggest pay-per-view of the year. Um, it just shows you how far they've come with their roster. Yeah, I like you said, it's night and day with the wrestling. The only thing that I think about is back then, like they had, and I, I don't know if they do it. I don't know if they do it as like bad nowadays. Like I don't know what it is, but back then I feel like they just had like larger than life they characters. Suck characters. Yeah, and I just don't think, I just don't think that like people are are built that way now in the wwe as they were when it was the wwf mm-hmm. like i mean we can name names stone cold the rock kurt angle chris jericho the undertaker i mean these are all top 10 guys all time if you look at the wwe now it's like are any of these people gonna touch a top 10 you know like they had Shawn michaels back then triple h back then yeah. more names like the attitude arrow is all top 10 guys basically so I just think the characters were built different back then. I think it's tough to not be a prisoner of the moment though. And say, maybe we look at wrestling a little bit differently and a little more harshly these days than we did back then. Because I think if there were more harsher critics and you talked about it all the time, like everyone in there, you know, a lot of people have podcasts that talk about wrestling all the time and we over-examine and we do all these things. Uh, if we had it back then, it'd be very interesting to see. And I agree with you. They had a lot of larger-than-life characters. I think you see some nowadays, not necessarily even to that level. I would say Roman is obviously probably the closest to, to that type of level. Seth Rollins, I think, should be there, but I don't think necessarily he he is there. I was actually going to bring that up with, like, Rollins. So, like, right now in the current day, I think Roman Reigns is, like, really the only, like, larger-than-life character. Because I look at Seth Rollins, and I, I'm a Seth Rollins stand. Like, he's, I still think he's the best in the business right now in WWE. But if I look at him from a character standpoint, I kind of get, it's like, all right, what am I really, like, like expecting with Seth Rollins? Like, you obviously you get, like, the following with, like, his entrance music. But I look at the character, it's like, he wears, like, the different, like, outfits and things like that. But I'm like, where is, like, the actual character coming from? Like, where are we going with Seth Rollins? I feel like with him, he kind of goes in a bunch of different, like, um like pockets left in and out. Like, I remember back then during the pandemic, he was, um you know, the Messiah character. Then he jumps into um, a character where the fans are just singing his entrance. Whereas, like, Stone Cold had, like, one specific gimmick. He had the what gimmick, um, you know, with the beer, the beer truck, everything, the rock. Um, outside, you know, he obviously the Peter Mavia, but I don't really count those days because he didn't become a superstar until he was literally like the rock. And he had the catchphrases that just gravitated that were larger than life. So comparing the eras, I just think wrestling-wise today is just days in better than what it was in Attitude Era. Like you said, Jeremy, the athletes, like the resources they have nowadays, people are able to like take all these supplements that make them stronger, like developing bigger athletes and things like that. Whereas back then though, the characters and like the storytelling back then, I feel like they put like more effort into that. Whereas nowadays it's more focused on like just who can do the best in ring work which is nothing wrong with that, but I like the combination of, like, the two where you kind of mix them together and develop, develop a really cool story. Like, for example, like, Monday Night Raw, like, back then, there was always a storyline that Vince would always, like, put, like, a blueprint in play. He'd be like, all right, this is what we're going to do this week, this week, this week. 
I feel like for Monday Night Raw, they kind of go into it. It's like, all right, well, we have Bloodline, we have Judgment Day. Let's kind of just ride that wave as long as we can, and then everybody else on the roster will just throw stuff in on the spot. Um, that's, like, the only thing that I would say that's, like, the mega difference. But, yeah, the wrestling-wise, like, storytelling-wise and characters, attitude error all day. But the current, like, PG, like, currently right now, 20, so let's say, like, 2015 at current, the wrestling by far is superior than Attitude Era. So each one has their own strengths. Of That's why I think it's a little unfair to kind of, you know, go back and forth which one is better. Sometimes, though, when I was thinking about this question, you know, and when I was watching this pay-per-view, I feel like sometimes we over-glorify how good the Attitude Era was because of the main characters that they had. Uh, because the matches are nowhere near. Like, WrestleMania 39 was, in my opinion, by far the best WrestleMania. And it was better than the best WrestleManias of all time that many consider the best WrestleMania. So 17, 19, maybe some people say 20 or 21. But this WrestleMania was so much better for many other reasons as well. Um, and they just have... I yeah. think what is great about wrestling, like we can go back and appreciate those times... But, man, does it look different being a wrestling fan today compared to back then? And now comparing the two, it's like, man, maybe the old school pay-per-views really weren't that great. Like, I, I really – like, don't get me wrong. I had a good time in, in watching it because I haven't watched that pay-per-view specifically in many, many – I maybe only watch it once or twice. But, damn. Another thing I want to point out is, like, the women's wrestling. Like, if you look at it, like, back then, it was at a time where it was, like, misogynistic yeah. to, like, the women – where they just disrespected, like, they had Trish, like, doing some ridiculous stuff All on TV, them. which is, like, damn, man. Like, which would be canceled. Like, if they aired in 2023, they would have been off the air a long time ago. So I do appreciate now because I get to see someone, like, my favorites. Like, Sasha Banks is my favorite. Well, Mercedes Monet. Becky Lynch, I love to death. Um, Charlotte, even though I'm not, like, a big Charlotte fan, but I recognize her greatness. And I tune in as much to watch every match of Charlotte because I know what I'm going to get from her is just top-tier talent. Bianca Belair, like, you look at some of these, like, women athletes, and it's like, man, look at the time we came from. Like, we went from, like, 2000 Cutting to, like, matches. 2004. Ron Panny's like, matches. Two, even, like, um, yeah. <laughs> right. And even, like, when they got out of, even, like, Ruthless Aggression era, like, from, like, 2002 to 2008, sure, they had, like, decent wrestlers. Like, you had Lita, you had Trish, you had, like, Christy Hemi. But even then, though, this they don't compare or come anywhere close to what we have nowadays. So I think that's another thing that kind of skyrockets the edge to, like, 2023 wrestling um, than what it was back then is that extra, like, implement of the women and how they're valued nowadays. I also think something about, like, the attitude era and, like, ruthless aggression era that's different. And I'm not saying it, like, it doesn't turn me away at all because I still watch every week, but maybe it does turn some people away. Back then, like, I think social media has yep. a lot to do with, like, wrestling and stuff nowadays because they wouldn't advertise what they were going to do yeah. on Raw back then. They wouldn't advertise what they were going to do on SmackDown. You would go into it not knowing what to expect every week, which, like, I love. And I would love if they would go back to that, like... This Me is too. A, exactly. I, I, that I, made I can't, I can't stand everything being leaked already. I can't so we, stand we it. We go into Raw every week knowing exactly yeah. what we're going to get. We know what's probably going to be good, and we know what's probably going to be bad. But back then, like, obviously we were kids, so it was more exciting. No, it Not was. more exciting, but we were surprised no matter what because we had no clue what was going to happen. I remember specifically um, 
every Monday night after after Kane buried Undertaker alive at Survivor Series mm. 03. And he returned at Rumble by his theme music hitting. I remember every week being like, oh, I think The Undertaker's yeah. going to come out this week. And then his music hits and he shows a message on the board. And like just the excitement factor of, oh, is he actually going to come out this week? What's going to happen this week? What's Kane going to say? Like, I remember being so excited every week for that. But like, now we know what we're we're getting every Dude, week. Dude, I remember That's like even like 2006, I remember when Edge cashed in on John C and New Year's Revolution, like the next night on Raw, I was so tuned in to see like how John C was going to respond, what was going to happen. I remember like I was what, 13 years old at that point. And I think as a kid too, when you're a teenager and like um, a child growing up, you appreciate wrestling more back then because of the, like that point you said, Chris, about how everything, no social media was going to leak anything. And then also you were just so invested because back then we hated the heels. Nowadays we can't say that. We root for the heels. At least me and Chris, when well, it comes to Roman Reigns, we root heavily for Roman. We want Roman to win everything. We want to beat probably Bruno C. Martino for God's sakes. Um, but back then, that would have never flew because with Triple H, I remember we were so ir- – all three of us used to be pissed. We'd probably put holes in walls every time Triple H or JBL would retain the title because it's like, man, are these guys ever going to lose their belts already? And that um, goes and for it, returns yeah. too. We basically yep. hear – like we were told today, John Cena's going to yep. be on SmackDown and Superstar Spectacle. Back then, I mean, we wouldn't have heard about any returns. Everything was kept down low. But it's so, it's so much more about ratings definitely. and getting people to watch the TV instead of people yes. being surprised by the TV. I think they yes. their motivations have changed so much into a formula that is, okay, we're just going to do this because we know it's going to work and drive more people to the TV, which is unfortunate because, you know, Edge talked about this when he was doing his return in his 24 documentary and how he wanted to keep a kayfabe and a surprise. So he, you know, the Hardys did the same thing, push away, push away, push away as much as you can with stuff like this, because you do exactly like you get everything. You get the weekly television. You pretty much know what's going to happen on raw. I, I personally would love to go back to a time where they don't announce anything. And that way I have to tune in to see what's actually going to show. The problem is, I think exactly. the reason they do that is because that's more for the fan that doesn't watch wrestling every week and says, okay, this is what's coming this week. Make sure you tune in. They'll tune into that week. Yep. And then and to boost your range, you have to make announcements. So, like, that's why I'm very confident that Edge is not going to be at Wembley because you're telling me that if TK was going to have Edge booked, that he wouldn't have already announced that to the world already in advance. That's why I'm pretty confident Edge He's is not going to be there because I think WWE to, through September. So, yeah, right, exactly. Um, but like, say the contract wasn't even in the play. I think TK, how like he's so hell bent on trying to get over on WWE in the ratings, and vice versa, because Triple H obviously wants to stick it to TK as well. Not as much as the other way around, but that's the tough part about it. Because in order to draw ratings, if they keep everything a surprise, you have those viewers that like, especially like the hardcore attitude in our heads that are not going to tune in until they hear the name edge, like rock stone yeah. cold, etc. So that is like, that's a tough, like in between that they have to like fight is like, all right, are we going to leak all this information too much and spoil the surprise, but at the same time, keep their business model of make so many announcements that you generate those ratings. And then sure. Like they're breaking the records. I mean, they're, they're killing it. They they like this Jeremy touched base on it with the WrestleMania 40 numbers. Like they're, bo- they're breaking all sorts of records. It's great to see. Yeah. It's, it's definitely something that's a game for them of they choose when and when and where they want to 
hide something or not hide something. Like when Cena came back from Money in the Bank, I think it was Money in the Bank, you know, that was a very big surprise that we didn't think we would get a segment with him and Grayson Waller. And I thought that was a good surprise. But I also think like saying who's returning from injury or, you know, Cena's going to be back for SmackDown. That would be a great surprise if they were in, I forget where it is, but that day, September 1st, Cena just comes out and not expected, you know, that's a big deal and a big surprise. Dude, just like um his 2008 Royal Rumble return, that was oh, like yeah. insane. That was a big one. Mm-hmm. We, no one, no one even knew about it, and um he came out there and it was just excellent. I wish they had that like develop, but obviously we can't do that. And then the age they of do it a little bit, <laughs> but not nearly as much as they used to, and it's because of and so, whether it's WWE or someone else, someone else will get a hold. They'll see them somewhere, and they'll be like, "Oh, they must be going to do something." And surely enough, yeah, like they have to like hide you with. They have to like hide you like a yeah. golf car, like have you like uh, like a towel wrapped around. Everyone you, wants like, to know, you know also to spoil the surprise. What is going on? Like people, some people don't want to be surprised, and they want to know exactly every little thing that's going to happen, and that kind of ruins that element yep. it to an extent. But I do think. WWE as a whole and wrestling as a whole has suffered a lot from social media. So that was a great point, Chris. And I do think that's probably a huge difference between those eras because, yeah, we we really didn't know what was happening on week-to-week television. Yeah. If we wanted to find out anything, we would have to go on WWE.com. Yes, that's, I remember that. I couldn't tell you. I couldn't I tell you the last time. Those days. I, would, I would go on WWE.com after yeah. every pay-per-view. Yeah. Yep. Monday morning before school, yep. I'm on WWE.com <laughs> seeing what happened. And I'm seeing that JBL retains his championship. And I'm <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God. Because we didn't buy the paper. We nope. couldn't buy every <laughs> pay-per-view back then either. Dude, like, like, think it. And we have to look at the DVDs. Imagine tonight, like, say we're in, like, um, a timetable, go back to 2006. Imagine, like, walking and like, going, like, your Google search engine, and you find out, oh, tonight, Edge and Leader got you know, people are turning in for that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can't say I didn't tune into ECW Extreme for it. Part of a black <laughs> part of ECW. Kelly Kelly. Tuesday oh, night at 10 o'clock. Kelly well, we'll have Kelly. to do another classic. We'll do a, we'll, you know, we'll substitute SummerSlam 2000. We'll, we'll spin the wheel again in a couple, maybe another couple of weeks. And, uh, um, once we do our all reviews and our prediction shows and all those things go past. So we'll do another classic one, but this is the one for August. So uh, we caught up with our SummerSlam 2000. So if you haven't watched pay-per-view, give it a watch. Uh, you know, if you have watched it and haven't watched it recently like us, give it a watch. It's, you know, part of it's at least good to, to watch through. Whether you watch the whole thing or not, that's <laughs> absolutely fine. But uh, stay tuned. We have our all-in prediction show coming uh, that'll be out on Friday and, uh, we'll be doing our review next week. So, uh, big show this weekend, uh, Wembley all in, we'll be reviewing all of it here on the channel and, uh, yeah, thanks so much. Enjoy Monday night raw tonight. Uh, another good episode and, uh, we're moving along. Cheers. Have a good one. <laughs>